Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of uh, John, the Gospel according to John, chapter 15. The Gospel according to John, chapter number 15, and verse number 1. Sometimes the start of the next sermon is, uh, is the end of the last one, and that's what happened uh, this evening. Um, I realized while I was preaching this morning's sermon that... Uh, Tonight's sermon will be about this, so uh, you could say this is part two of a, of a two-part series. You know, I don't, uh, on purpose, a lot preach a lot of series. I know some men can. Uh, of course, we have. We've went through, like, the book of 1 Timothy. I think we've went through 2 Timothy. We've went through the book of 1 John. We took them verse by verse. We went through the book of Hebrews. Uh, but to uh, say, I'm going to preach a six-part series on marriage, uh, a lot of times if I get to the second part or third part, I'm like, uh-oh. Uh, so I'm careful to, I'm, I'm very careful about announcing that beforehand because uh, I don't know how many parts it'll be anyway. And a lot of times I'm, I'm sometimes I'm, I'm preaching in a series and I don't even know it. You know, it just happens. And that's the way I like to do it. Um, if the Lord wants uh, another part, then, uh, then, then we'll have another part. Amen. So, uh, but so this is a continuation maybe of this morning's sermon about abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ. And I've, of course, I've preached from this passage, as many preachers have, very often through the years. And, uh, and this is a balance. This balances. Because if we're not careful, we can uh, take this morning's sermon and we could try to, uh, we could try to bring assurance to our lives by, by works, we could try to prove to us that we're right with God because this morning's sermon, it, the human temptation of our hearts, and I was speaking to a friend of mine this, this afternoon, you've got to be careful. You shouldn't follow your heart because your heart is deceitful above all things. Amen? And so I want to remind you if you say, well, I'm, I'm just going to follow my heart. Well, you better be careful because that's what Eve did. Um, so be careful about following your heart. Follow the Word of God. Amen? Follow Jesus. And don't do everything you feel like doing either. Amen? You follow Jesus. But the temptation, I think, of the human heart is if this morning's sermon raised some anxiety, is the temptation is, even as a believer, but I, I'm going to straighten up because I want to make sure I know Jesus. I want to I live right to make sure that I have the assurance of salvation. So what you're doing, if that's if that's your motive, if that's what you're up to, is instead of finding assurance in Christ, who is the only one that provides it, or finding salvation or peace in Christ, you are turning to works to achieve that. Instead of turning to Christ. And remember from this morning's sermon that faith produces works. So what you need is faith. Faith changes lives. Faith in who? Christ. Faith in Christ. And Christ changes your life. So the, what we do sometimes is, is the opposite of what we should do. So we hear a sermon like, we think, I'm going to straighten up because I want that assurance. I want to feel right with God. And so we start living out our works. Now listen, if you're, if you're getting drunk every night, yeah, stop. Amen? But stop because of Christ. Don't stop to try to be right with God by your works. Because that, that is a work. You're trying to find peace, assurance, justification, righteousness by stopping some behavior. 
All of your righteousness is in Christ. So run to Jesus and your life will change. So instead of like straightening up, because we can't, run to Christ who straightens us up. And so John 15 is, is that true. And in John 15, we know this passage well. It is, it is Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and ye are the branches. So let's read the passage. First John, excuse me, John, not first John, John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch, every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean to the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, Jesus says. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Let's pray together. My Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we love you, we worship you, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you change lives through salvation and the evidence, Lord, of eternal life. And the evidence of justification is the life that is being sanctified, that faith produces works, that faith in you and you in us transforms our lives. And Lord, we pray, God, that we see that as people of God, that we understand that without you we can do nothing. And Lord, we should not seek to fix our lives outside of you. But Lord, in you is life. And you, Lord, are resurrection. And you are hope. And you are peace. And Lord, you are our salvation. Lord, help us to run to you and to abide in you, to find, Lord, the assurance and the righteousness, Lord, that our heart craves as, as people of God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. Let's first delve into a little bit of controversy. The controversy normally around this passage is uh, what is the identity of the fruitless branches in verse number 2. There Jesus says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. In verse number 6, it's mentioned again, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Well, there's three options. That who are the, who, what's the identity of the branches? The fruitless branches that are taken away in verse number 2. Nobody wants to be taken away. Verse number 6, nobody wants to be cast into the fire. The metaphor there is obvious to us. We understand the illustration that Christ is presenting to us. What is the identity? Well, the first option is, is those that our fruitless branches are those who lost their salvation. And of course, I won't spend much time there. I mentioned that this morning. But we believe as, as a, we believe, I believe, that according to John chapter number 10, that no man can pluck you out of our Father's hand and no man can pluck you out of Christ's hand and, and Christ and our Father are one. I believe in eternal security. 
I believe that one of the greatest assurances of salvation is that the saints preserve in the faith. And I believe one of the greatest reasons why one should lack assurance who say they know Jesus is, is they do not preserve in the faith. I think people who are really born again, their lives really bear witness that they're born again. Amen? And there's a lot of people who say, well, I, yeah, I've been saved a long time, but there's no fruit. There's no fruit. Again, I would refer you back to this morning's sermon. But if there's no fruit, then as James says, that faith is dead because faith always produces works. The second option is, is who are the fruitless branches? Is that these are, these are Christians who aren't bearing fruit. They are Christians, but they're not bearing fruit, and Jesus takes them away. They aren't bearing fruit, and they are gathered of men, and they are cast forth as branch. As branches, so the so the idea is is that that if you as a Christian aren't bearing fruit, then you are taken away. A, a wonderful example of that, or terrible example, is in the book of Acts, where Ananias and Sapphira they lie to the Holy Ghost and they say they sold their land and gave all the money to the church, but in reality they used it as an opportunity to gain a little bit of profit, but also look good in front of other church members. And so they lied to the Holy Ghost, and we know the story well that they both dropped dead, didn't they? They, were, they did a sin, as John said in 1 John chapter 5, there is a sin unto death. This is definitely a possibility here, as Jesus mentions it. That you can, as a believer, make Jesus look so bad that you are of no earthly good that Jesus is like, I'm just taking you home early. If you won't play, then I'm taking you out of the game. If you won't live right, you're not going to live any longer. That's the point. And that's certainly a possibility because that is exemplified in Scripture. That a person's life can be cut short because there is a sin unto death that you're causing so much trouble and your life is not bearing fruit that Jesus died for you to serve Him, that He could just say, and He can do it, because you are a purchased possession. And He can do it, because His life is yours. And He can say, I, you know, just come on home early. And you lose your rewards. You lose the rewards that you could have on behalf of Christ. This also could be a passage, this passage could also be true about Christians bearing fruit, who don't have fruit because they don't have Christ. And I think that is also certainly the possibility. I don't believe it's Christians who lose their salvation. I don't think it's that, because I don't believe Scripture teaches that. I do believe it could be Christians who are so fruitless that they are taken out early, so to speak. We have example of that in the New Testament. But it could also be it's someone who says they're a Christian and they're not really a Christian at all, like this morning's sermon. Because look at the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 19. I think we was here just the other day. They went out from us, but that they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. They went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. That means we thought they were with us, but they wasn't. We thought they were Christians, but they weren't. We thought Judas loved Jesus, but he really didn't. We thought Judas bore fruit, but in actuality, he betrayed his Lord and his Savior. 
So the possibilities of who are the fruitless branches, it's either someone who loses their salvation, which I don't think is that scriptural. It's someone who is saved but isn't producing fruit. They're not abiding in Christ, and Jesus takes them home early. Or it's someone that says they're saved, and they're not really saved at all. Look at verse number 2. Jesus says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. Look at the difference between it and, uh, and, verse, and verse number 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit. It seems that that's possible, the third explanation. That someone can be in Christ. That means they say they know Jesus, but in verse number 4, Jesus is not in them. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. In verse 2, every branch in me that, taketh, that, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch in me. Like Judas is with Jesus, but Jesus is not with Judas. There's a lot of tares among the wheat, in other words. Amen? There's a lot of people who sit in church pews and say they know Jesus, but one day Jesus will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't know you. You say you know me, but I don't know you. And if I don't know you, and I'm not in you, you will bear no fruit. And the evidence of me not being in you will be the obvious evidence of a fruitless life. And if there's, if there's no fruit in your life tonight, then it could be because Christ is not in you. If there's no fruit in your life tonight, it could also be that you are so fruitless outside of the fellowship of Jesus because there is no fruit, like any good farmer he would do, he'd say, you know what, I'm just going to snip that off and get rid of it. That could be your possibility too. There is a sin unto death, amen? I want to caution you here, if you're a believer, don't think you can just live any way you want to, amen? You're not your own. Jesus is the Lord of glory. God is the husbandman. You are living a life that that he died for you to have. Jesus suffered and died and shed his blood and arose from the dead so you can walk in newness of life. Jesus has so much invested in you and his power is so infinitely available to you then there's no reason why that you should be like you was yesterday. Grow in Jesus because in him are all, is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You have everything that you could ever need in Christ. There's no need living a dull, unvictorious Christian life. Amen? There's no need for that. Look at verse number 4. Jesus said the word abide. Abide, it simply means, it means to remain. It, it speaks of a close, intimate relationship. It, it's, it's the idea that the branch is drawing its life from the vine. Abide means to remain. Remain where you started. That's what Christ is saying. Where I met you, you believed on me, you received me by faith, I want you to remain with me. So abide means to remain. If you're a believer tonight, then you should remain in Jesus. You need to abide with him in a close, intimate relationship. You need to stay where you met him. You met him in faith. The just shall live by faith. You need to keep believing on Jesus. You met him by faith. You need to live by faith. 
And faith does what from this morning's sermon? Faith produces works. In other words, faith produces fruit. Faith is abiding in Christ. Faith is how you met Jesus. Faith is how you fellowship with Jesus. Faith is how it all began, and faith is how it still continues. Faith is remaining in Jesus Christ. I heard a man say last week, he said, I'm not only a Christian, I'm a believer. He said, I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the sinless life of Christ. I believe in His atoning death. I believe in His physical burial. I believe in His bodily resurrection. I believe in His ascension. I believe in His coming back. I believe that He's Lord of glory. I believe He's the Lord of my life. I believe I owe Him everything. It's more than just being I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. It's someone who keeps believing on Jesus. It's not, I believe on Jesus, now I'll do something else. It's abiding in Christ. It's remaining where you started with Him. You should not run away from that. If you received Christ by faith, then live in Christ by faith. Since He's alive, I'm going to follow Him. You see how it works? Since He lives, I'm going to live my life for Him. Since he ever liveth to make intercession for me, I'm going to ever live in Christ. It's to remain, to abide in him. Look, if you will, at the book of, uh, at the book of, uh, the book of Ephesians. Excuse me, the book of Galatians, chapter number 3. The book of Galatians, chapter number 3, look at verse number 2. And Paul deals with this subject. Galatians, chapter number 3, and verse number 2. He said, this only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, he says, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? If you began in Christ, then stay in Christ. Don't try to change your life by your own effort. Don't try to change your life by your own power. If you began in the Spirit, why, how, why would you be made perfect by the flesh? If you began in Christ, why would your life now change by anything other than faith in Jesus Christ? Why would your life change now? Oh, thanks Jesus for saving me, but I'm going to work on the rest of it from here. Thanks Christ for dying for me, but now I'm going to live under my own strength and power. Abide in Christ. Stay with Him. How? How did you meet Him? Faith. Live in faith, not by works. So again, say, I want to straighten up as a Christian. Then believe on Jesus. Grow in faith. Abide in Him through faith. You have access to Christ by faith. And faith produces works, i.e. a changed life. Faith in Christ changes you. Now people say, well, I'm already a believer. Why well, don't I need to keep believing? Well, John addresses that in 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5, John has this to say about us as Christian people. Remember, abide to remain in Christ. Faith produces works. Faith in Christ continually changes the believer's life. Now, a lot of people make the mistake. They say, I believed on Jesus, therefore I'm saved. Now I'm going to start living right. Yeah, you should live right because you are believing on Jesus. Because He is your living Lord. 
It's not, I'm going to believe on Jesus and now I'm going to straighten up. Yes, I can't straighten up. I'm going to run to Jesus in saving faith. And you should remain in faith so Christ can do in you what you can never do outside of Him. Without me, He said, ye can do nothing. Look at what John says. 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 13. These things write I unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So he's writing to Christians. If you are saved today, John is saying, I'm writing to those who have placed faith in Jesus Christ. And he's writing to you. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that what? That ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. John's saying, I write to you who believe on Jesus that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. What's he saying? Keep believing on Jesus. Keep trusting in Christ. Remain in Him. Abide in Christ. The just shall live by what? Faith. So maybe tonight you think, well, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to straighten up some areas of my life. Yeah, do that because you're abiding in Jesus. If you abide in Christ, your life will be followed by obedience. If you abide in Christ, your life will be followed by obedience. Listen to this passage also. 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. Sounds like... Jesus talking, doesn't it? I in you, you in me, that you might bear much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. A life that abides in Christ is a life that is followed by obedience. And we try to put obedience first so we can get closer to Jesus. Get close to Jesus that your life will produce obedience. 1 John chapter number 3, verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and here... By we know that he abideth in us. How do I know that Jesus abideth in us? By the spirit which he hath given us. That what? That produces an obedient life. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth he in him. And he in him. And the evidence of obedience. The evidence of abiding in Christ is, is produced by an obedient or exemplified by an obedient life. Turn back to the book of John chapter 15. We're about through. John chapter 15. Notice that fruit, notice that Christ purges us when we bear fruit. Look at verse number 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, he clips it, he prunes it, he changes it and shapes it. I've got something here that it may bring forth more fruit. So notice the progression. It bears fruit, verse number 2. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So there's, in the Christian's life, there's fruit. And you're abiding in Christ, and he purges you. And sometimes that's a painful experience. And sometimes it's challenging. And sometimes it's, 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 uh, it's, there's uh, difficulties in our life. But we're remaining in Christ and we're abiding in Him and we're believing on Him and we bear fruit and Jesus is working on us and changing us and we bring forth 
more fruit. Then look at verse number 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So people who remain in Christ bring forth fruit, and then more fruit, and then in verse number 5, much fruit. So abiding in Christ changes your life. That you become fruitful. Sometimes we just always want to straighten up, don't we? Have you ever noticed you can't do that? I've tried it a thousand times, haven't you? I've left many sermons and services and thought, you know what, I'm going to do better. And I find under my own strength, my own willpower, I never do better. Never. Have you noticed that in your life? I say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, and the wind always blows it back over. Have you noticed that? Because what I'm doing is I'm focusing on me. Because I get it. I, I want to do right, don't you? And I want, my, I, want, I want God to be pleased with my life. And so I sit under a sermon like this morning, and I say to myself, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm never going to watch that show again. And then about a few days later, I start watching it again. Have you done that? Say, I, I tell you what, I'm never listening to that drunken music again. And then about six days later, you're like, ah, oh, just one song. And before you know it, what you set out to do, you have failed miserably, hadn't you? Miserably. You know why? For without him, you can do nothing. Nothing. Here's what else I've noticed. When I start working on my faith in Christ, I'm not so much working on, I'm not going to watch that show no more, or, or I'm not going to lose my temper no more. I'm focusing in Christ. I'm believing in Christ. I'm abiding in Christ. I notice something else is happening. When I'm focusing on Jesus, something else begins to take place too. I lose my temper less. I wasn't even working on my temper I was working on abiding in Christ because He purges, not you. He does it. You don't do it. So Jesus, when He says, hey, you focus on me. You abide in me. You keep on believing in me. You trust in me. You follow me. What's going to happen? He'll be purging you and your life will begin to change. And that's what you wanted in the first place, wasn't it? But we set out about to change our own lives. But Jesus said, verse 5, For without me ye can do nothing. You can't do it. You've never been able to do it, have you? But when you believe on Jesus, and a life of faith in Christ is exemplified or we have evidence through the obedience of our lives. It's not that works become, that happen first. It's that faith always precedes works. It always precedes fruit. And so if you focus on Jesus, He'll do the pruning. It'll be fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Because as a Christian, if you try to straighten your life up under the power of yourself, you'll find, and even through experience, can't you say, I've never 
been able to do it. I want to encourage you tonight, even as a believer, to continue to believe on Jesus. To trust Christ anew, over and over and over again, because faith is the answer. Faith is what produces works. Christ, abide in Him, and you'll bring forth much fruit. Amen? So instead of so much focusing on you, focus on Christ in you. Oh, Jesus, instead of, Lord, straighten up all these things in my life, no, Lord, I want you. I want you. And you'll find out that none of those things have fellowship with Jesus. And you won't so much start out on trying to work on these little things. It'll be Christ and all these little things will slowly, strangely fade away. Like the song I often quote, the things of the world grow strangely dim. I told a friend of mine again this afternoon, I think it helped me to fellowship with him. I said, you know, my life has changed since I met Jesus. And every believer should say that. Amen? Can you say that? Since I met Jesus, my life has changed. My life has changed since I met Jesus. And just following Jesus through the years, it's not so much these great victories of my life because of Him. It's not so much because I just, I just gritted my teeth and said, that's it, I'm going to stop and we'll stop and we'll stop. All those victories rarely were that way. It was following Jesus, following Christ. And then I could look back And sometimes I didn't even notice it at the time. But he was giving me victory and deliverance over those things that once caused me so much spiritual headaches. It wasn't some great effort. It was following Jesus. And he transformed and is transforming my life. He does it. He alone does it. So tonight... If after hearing this morning's sermon, you're like, I'm going to straighten up. I want to say to you, you in yourself can do nothing. Run to Jesus. Faith, belief in Christ, and he will do what you can never do without him. Remain in Jesus. Amen? Don't start with Jesus and then I'm going to work things out by myself. Remain in Christ. Let's stand to our feet. What song are we going to sing, Bryson? 410. Page number 410.